Well, it's good to be back, and uh, if, I'll say it in the second service, but if you've um, been praying for us over the last month and a half, two months, thank you so much. Uh, it's, it's no small thing that God by the Spirit raises up uh, prayer support and intercessors, and that's one of the privileges of being a missionary of multiple different churches is that um, I realize you probably know me much better than I know most of you. Um, you pray for us, and thank you. I don't see what you do on your knees. I don't see the concern and care in your heart, but the Lord sees and he honors it and he, he answers prayers. And um, I, I don't think that the three of us would have uh, weathered so well um, the last two months with, without the partnership of the saints in prayer. And uh, thank you for reaching out to us with emails and um, just warm words of encouragement in the, in the last couple weeks. So in, in light of that, let's, let's pray and just ask the Lord to bless this time. Our God in heaven, we thank you for your love that you have loved us in Christ even before the world began and that we are secure in your immutable, unbreakable love and that you have, you have called us to be united with Christ and you have raised us with him in the resurrection and we are justified through faith alone by your grace alone and Christ alone. And it's to your word we look alone. In Jesus' name, amen. So when, when uh, I teach internationally, whether, whether it's in um, Bush, Alaska with the natives or whether it's with the Hill Tribes pastors in um, Thailand or Burma or Cambodia or the Philippines or wherever I am in Southeast Asia, uh, I, my goal is to not come as the professor but to just come as the Bible guy. I want them to know that this book is the great equalizer. It's what kind of levels the playing field. Um, yeah, sure, I might have some degrees, but that just, that, that's, those are just props. Those are just tools in the toolkit. They're, they are not um, definitive and they are not my identity. We are all one in Christ and I, I just come to deliver the goods. We are all beggars looking for bread and some of us know where to find it. Um, and my goal is to, is to win people to the centrality of the Bible wherever I am because when the Bible is open, God speaks. It's not through the prophet. It's not through the priest. It's through the word. And we, we can hear the voice of the prophet and we can be ministered to by the ministry of the priest through the word. And those, those of course, are the offices of Christ. And... Um, just in terms of what I do, I mean, that's the, in principle, what I do is I, I try to teach the Bible. I'm the Bible guy. That's my one edge. I cut in one way, and that's what I do. Um, in, in Alaska, I am the president of Great Commission Alaska, and that's a, our, our tagline is bringing biblical training to Bush, Alaska. That's what we want to do. We want to be known as the Bible guys in Alaska, and there's not many uh, ministries working with Bush natives, but those that are are typically more relief-oriented. Um, there's a variety of different ways to access the villages, and we have chosen specifically to limit our efforts to discipleship, to biblical discipleship, and... Uh, that's also a very seasonal ministry. And I took it over with the provision that I couldn't, um, I, I didn't have to step away from my international ministry responsibilities. And those responsibilities are also seasonal, which are usually locked into the, um, the, the school calendar, which is approximately 
September through May, more or less. I teach at a seminary in Thailand. It's based there. We have multiple sites, satellite sites around Southeast Asia, and I teach in um, missions and discipleship. Uh, but even that doesn't, it doesn't keep me busy all the time. And so I, I have um, translation and theological resource development projects I work, work on. And one, one thing, I've, I've been in missions for about 20 years, and one thing I've learned along the way is to be more um, text-centered or, 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 or just um, publication-centered maybe, and not so ministry-centered in the sense, in, in the sense that I don't work for a brick-and-mortar building. I don't, I'm not building orphanages. I'm not even building schools. Um, my, my job is to build into men who can open the word. But even more than that, my job is, is to build into resources that can build into men because there, there are times like you know, a COVID time where you can't be in the presence of people, but you can still serve them if you're working in their language and you're developing resources that they can access the Bible with. And so it keeps me busy wherever I am in the world. Um, like when I did my PhD, one of my supervisors said, if you can have a dissertation, uh, what we call it, a briefcase dissertation, something you can travel with in your briefcase wherever you go. Well, that's kind of, um, our ministry is like a briefcase ministry. We can, wherever we go, we can, we can develop biblical resources, we can translate things, and we can be teaching and supplying and um, resourcing indigenous leaders, wherever they are. And so, as you think about how to pray for missionaries, uh, I'm going to walk through a, a chapter in 2 Timothy. Just, it's, this is a very simple thing I would do with, say, some of the pastors I, I might train in Cambodia or in Burma. Uh, I try to keep it very text-centered. Sometimes, sometimes you have to elaborate and you have to be more um, systematic in your theology and you, you draw from various parts of the Bible and sometimes you're very doctrinal and you're very summative and you, you distill big picture ideas into small little chunks, kind of like maybe a confession or a catechism. But then there's sometimes where you just want to walk them through line by line, verse by verse, and then reflect upon everything that the text is saying. And so that's what I'm going to do this morning is a lot of times I use Second Timothy, First and Second Timothy, but um, 2 Timothy specifically to teach principles of, of spiritual leadership, of Christian leadership. And one easy way to remember is 2 Timothy 2 is, is one place that I look to. And the first seven verses, very, very simple, very practical, seven different ways to pray for your missionaries and partner with them. Um, verse 1, 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, be strengthened in Christ. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. It's obviously it's in the passive, but it's something where you, it's God doing it. You're not strengthening yourself. It's, you're not doing it to yourself. You're submitting, you're yielding to the work of the Holy Spirit through the Bible, in Christ, through the, through the gospel, in your life. But you still have to, you still have to posture, posture yourself in a way that receives and rests in grace. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Pray that missionaries would be strengthened not by techniques, not by just little retreats, not by conferences only, not by more education, but primarily that their rest, their strength, their durability would come from the grace of Christ that is latched to the message of the gospel. Pray that they would stand on the promises of God and derive their confidence from the past 
present, and future triumph of Christ among all the nations. That, that missionaries would not depend upon their own, their own um, perseverance, their own cultural savvy, their own grit to keep on pressing on, but that missionaries would rest in the promises of God and not try to manufacture those promises, but rest in them and bear witness to them and testify to them, knowing that it is the promises and the promise keeper and the promise maker that, that make missions possible. It's not, naturally speaking, it, this is an impossible task, but it's a supernatural task. And, and it's one of the greatest privileges you could ever have is to partner with great commission servants because it is a promise. It is all, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ and we go and make disciples in light of his authority. And you can go and suffer and suffer the most devastating loss, most devastating discouragement, knowing that God has promised, he has vowed on the, on the death and the resurrection of his son that there will be worshipers from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And you can die on the mission field and see very little fruit, but know that there will be people on the other side there with you celebrating in the mercy and the triumph of Christ over the souls of men. And then number two, verse two, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to, competent to, teach Others also. So pray number two to make disciples. I mean, obviously, I mean, you, you should be like, no, duh, that's what you should be doing. But it's, it's more easier said than done. Pray that missionaries would be actively, actively making disciples. There are many good, helpful services that can be done on the mission field, to be sure. But a missionary fails to obey Christ if disciples are not being made or at least being prioritized. Making disciples does not happen passively. It doesn't happen passively. It requires actively pursuing people, planning what to teach. You have to have content to teach. You don't just go hang out and have coffee and, and have spiritual conversations. Being a disciple maker requires planning. It's A disciple means a student or a apprentice. And so to be an apprentice of Christ or a student of Christ requires content. It requires structure. It requires foresight. It requires a teacher. To be a disciple maker, you have to have all those things. it, It doesn't happen through osmosis. You have to plan to make disciples. Many missionaries think that it's, it's just a matter of getting there and just being with people. Well, it, that's half the battle is just getting there and being with people and learning their language. But the second half of the battle is you got to open the book and you got to be able to walk through it with people and teach the word and teach them to, to observe their life and to guard their doctrine. And that's, that's making disciples. Um, it's, it's not, it is not as easy as just getting there. Um, also, number, number three, verse three, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. So no, third thing to pray is that missionaries would suffer well. It's, it's not a matter of if you will suffer, but when and to what extent you'll suffer, and then how will you bear up underneath that suffering? I mean, what, what is your go-to move when you suffer? What is your maybe anesthetizing behavior? What is that thing you do to numb the pain when you're under immense duress? Where do you go to, to dull the pain? Well, there's, there, it's not, like I said, it's not a matter of if you suffer, but how well you suffer. 
Pray that missionaries suffer well, that they rest in the promises, that they derive strength from the grace of God in Christ, that they, that they come back to the book when, when they need comfort, they, that they don't just go to, to um, anesthetizing habits or, or escapism. Um, pray that missionaries, as they suffer with Christ, that, that as they suffer levels of um, severe, maybe, anxiety because of cross-cultural conflict, because of things, inner turmoil that goes inside of, inside of a missionary, that the, the pressures of cross-cultural living is kind of like a, a pressure cooker. It presses things out of you you didn't even know was inside of you. You are willfully, voluntarily putting yourself into somebody else's foreign culture and, and learning a language where you, you kind of babble around like a first grader for many years and you just, you, you want them to know that you're smarter than you sound, but it's a, it's a level of, of um, day after day of choosing to humble yourself to keep learning a language and that brings a lot of frustration, it brings a lot of self um, uh, introspection, wondering if this is what you should really be doing, a lot of angst. And if you're, you know, if you're a guy and you're used to being productive, well, the first number of years is very unproductive, it seems. Um, you never know what the Holy Spirit's doing in the lives of, of, of you or people around you, but it seems from an obs- obs- observation level that it's, it's just not going well and it presses out a lot of junk in your life and and missionaries suffer, suffer mental exhaustion, physiological effects. Um, viruses are come and go. Uh, it's, it's not uncommon to, you know, what used to kill missionaries in the first five years, a hundred years ago, now just makes them sick and limp the rest of their life. And um, it's not uncommon to have multiple, multiple ongoing chronic incurable health conditions because of, um, of various infections, various viruses, just immense stress. Um, you know what stress does on the heart and just constant stress day after day. The spring never unwinds. There's no, sometimes there's no bed and breakfast. There's no getaways. Even, even a vacation is stressful. Um, so there's just, and then there's always the constant stress of Big Brother watching through totalitarian governments and, and other border crossings. And what happens if you accidentally go out of bounds too far and you your visa is revoked and all of a sudden your family has to uproot and leave within a week and you never get to go back and you have to live in that kind of tension. Well, there's lots of mental exhaustion and mental stress that is compounded upon missionaries. You could pray for them that they would suffer well, that they would find their rest and their strength in in the immutable word of God, comforting them that God will surely do it, that he is faithful. He who called them is faithful and he will surely do it. Um, There's also number four, uh, verse four, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Why? Since his aim is to please him who enlisted him, stay focused on the mission. Pray that missionaries, number four, would stay focused on the mission, that they would not fall into legitimate distractions. In our globalized culture, there are many ways to stay connected to people in their passport countries. For some missionaries, the host culture can be so difficult and daunting that they slip into what I called anesthetizing behaviors or those habits that dull or numb the senses, numb the stress. And they slip into escapism, maybe escape to their friends in America through social media. It's not uncommon to fly, land, land in your host city, and the first thing you want to do is go to McDonald's to get on Facebook and, and to, or on Instagram and tell people all that you're doing, and you're constantly wired into your 
your passport country, and you never actually leave, leave in your heart. You never actually leave and cleave and become one of them because you're so constantly connected to where you came from because you're so afraid to feel like a foreigner. And it's, it's, a, it's a subconscious cycle you go through where you have to actively plan to, to cut ties and become one of them. You have to put yourself at the mercy of the locals and lean upon them and trust them and become one of them. And it's, it's a lot of... of it's a lot of um, saying no to really good connectivity that we can now have in the 21st century. This was not that hard. I mean, I, when I went into missions initially, we didn't even have cell phones. I mean, it was not even, we had calling cards. And so the smartphone era was not my, my first wave of missions experience was not in the smartphone era. So there's really no way to stay connected. But it's a massive challenge now with smartphones and easy connectivity to leave and cleave and become one of them, to become one of the locals. Um, so uh, no, no soldier, as I said, gets entangled in civilian pursuits. This, that's kind of the idea, is you get entangled. You, you start thinking more like a civilian um, and less like a soldier. A soldier has a task. A soldier has an aim. A soldier has a post. He has a, a duty, um, and it's easy to shirk the duty, especially in a high-trust, low-accountability low environment. Um, it's easy to, to compromise and to slip away from the mission. It sounds ironic, but mission drift is a big problem for missionaries. Um, number five, verse five, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So pray, pray, that missionaries would keep the word, pray that they would carefully keep the word of God. There are many pragmatic ways to create a platform, fund a project, or start a church that, not, that are not prescribed in scripture. Now I'm all for creative access platforms. I'm a TESOL teacher, I, th I think there's, I also do translation work, I also teach in a seminary. I think there's lots of ways to access countries, but if you don't prioritize teaching the Bible and making disciples and raising up elders in a local church, you're, you, you are slipping on mission drift. Um, there's a lot of ways to uh, call good activities, quote-unquote, preaching the gospel or doing missions, um, when in fact the gospel is not being preached at all. Uh, you, don't, you don't go into all the world and preach the gospel and if necessary use words. It's silly. It's, it's like go into all the world, feed the poor, and if necessary use food, like it, it, it doesn't work that way. You actually, you, the way you preach the gospel is you have to open your mouth, you have to give them language, you have to give them grammar and syntax and propositions. You actually have to teach the word. Um, but there are many good deeds done in the name of love, hope, peace, and justice. Just as, words, just as words that have no works are empty, so works without good news are equally empty. Um, number six. Verse six, it is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. So pray that missionaries would work hard. Not burn out, of course, but work hard. There's a lot of, there's a lot of concern about burnout and legitimate concerns, but it, it has swung the other way to the point where self-care is a, is a sacred cow, where you care more about how are you doing versus how Faithful are you being? Um, pray for missionaries to work hard. As in any ministry, there is sometimes very little accountability. There's idleness. 
It can be slothfulness. They can be big temptations for missionaries. Stress, exhaustion, cross-cultural living can create temptations towards resignation and apathy. Sometimes the hardest thing is just to survive a normal day, just to go to the bank to withdraw money, to, to go to the other side of the city to pay your electric bill. It can be a day and a half trip sometimes, and it can just be completely exhausting. Um, any effort given to making disciples, evangelism, training pastors, or prayer can become leftover scraps. It can, be, it can become an afterthought, something you just aspire to doing something you talk about at your you know year-end goals for the next year but it just it gets bumped back bumped back because it's just so hard to keep up with things well that's that's the truth and so there there these missionaries should have a certain level of capacity a they should have large margin room in their life that they can that they can take on multiple levels of of um, burden and stress and so Part of that is just discipline, it's scheduling, it's, it's learning how to prioritize the main thing, to, to differentiate between what's important and what's urgent, and to constantly be making prioritized decisions to keep the main thing the main thing in spite of the stress, and um, never letting the stress rule your life. Uh, and number, number six, verse six, the last one, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. And maybe most importantly, um, just in principle, is that missionaries pray that missionaries will meditate on the word. Um, pray for them to have illumination from the word, that they, they, would find, they would find unbelievable joy and, and hope in the promises of God, that they would, they would not just listen to the testimonies of their supervisors who had been there maybe 10 years longer and, and telling them all the ways it really worked for them or how they figured out what God was really doing and how to, how to manufacture what worked in their ministry in, the, in another family's ministry, but pray that missionaries would look at those, those principles that transcend culture, that transcend time, those transcultural principles that that the church, the confessing church of Christ throughout the ages have rested in and have borne fruit and have borne long-lasting fruit. Pray that they would meditate on the word and that they would um, do the work of Bible memory, Bible meditation. Um, one of the greatest ways to fall into despondency and to slacken in the evangelistic zeal, to neglect prayer and to abandon Bible-driven ministry is to, to replace um, regular meditation on the word for more tolerable, socially acceptable ventures that, that promise immediate results and fruit, but they are actually, in, in fact, they, they, are, um, they, they are not related to, they, do, they don't derive from the sufficiency of the scripture. They, they are adding on to the Bible. They are promising temporal results now, but they are not eternity-focused. Pray that missionaries would would have the Bible so deeply embedded in their DNA that, that, as Spurgeon says of John Bunyan, wherever you cut him, he bleeds Bible. We'll pray that missionaries, as you know, the, the, um, the mission field is death by a thousand paper cuts in a lot of ways. It's, it's multiple discouragements that you bleed out over time. We'll pray that no matter what, what, no matter what cuts a missionary, that they would bleed Bible. Um, missionaries will lose perspective and hope if they read the Bible only briefly and occasionally, but no, take no time to absorb it. 
and think hard about the spirit-intended meaning. Pray that missionaries would, um, would work hard like farmers, that they would stand firm like soldiers, that they would rightly divide the word of truth like students, and that they would be good apprentices of, of Christ. Um, but most of all, and I led with this, and I'll, and I'll um, kind of conclude this time, is uh, pray that they would be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Um, it's not our work. This is Christ's work. And he's Lord of the church. It's his great commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been granted to him. And he's with us to the very end of the age. He's the true missionary. And our job is just to, to give them Jesus and get out of the way and open the word and say, thus saith the Lord and no more. Be, be, be bold enough to say all that the text says and humble enough to say no more. That's the job is to keep the main thing the main thing and pray that missionaries would stay faithful as good soldiers in that service. So that's, those are ways I hope, simple, seven simple ways from 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 7 that you could pray for us. Um, it's, it's easy to pray lots of things for missionaries, but you can pray biblically for us knowing that this is the will of God for us. So.